Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. I am so thankful that you're here. I, it's never lost on me this idea that, that we could be anywhere in the entire world, but we happen to all find ourselves in this room at this moment, at this very time. And my prayer for each of you is, one, we've heard a lot about a lot of great things that God is doing both in our church, and our kids, our next-gen department. We've heard about small groups, this community dinner. That's exciting. We've heard about missions trips. I feel like September is like announcement season. It's the worst. You didn't come here for announcements. You came here to meet with God. And that is an absolute real and very attainable and very, um, just very, very, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very real expectation that you can have, that we can come to church, hear from the word, and, and leave different than the way that we came in. Uh, we're walking through this Family Five series. And what, what, what that really is, is we see, we see this as our, our, our church family. And, and what's our family vibe? Like, who are we? What are we about? Uh, at Coastline Church, we have four pillars. It's know God. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. We want people to discover their purpose. And we want people to make a difference. That is, that is what we do, that everything that we do sows and falls into one of those categories. It, it, it's who we are here as a church. And this morning, we want to talk about this idea of what it means to, to know God. Uh, last week, I said, hey, we're going to talk about Epaphras, and I got really excited on it. But as I was going through the notes, I realized I'm way, way, way more excited about these two verses I'm about to share for you. So Epaphras can wait. Epaphras is coming next week. Today, we are going to touch on something different. And so I want to read this portion of scripture for you, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into it. Um, there's an interesting verse in the Bible before I jump in. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. And it says these words. It says, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Uh, I didn't grow up going to church, and I, and I had read pieces of the Bible. I had heard about the Bible. I had sat in some Christian church services a few times. I had I'd been to some funerals, and I had heard, heard the Bible often. Often enough to have an idea of what I thought the Bible was about. But it wasn't until I said, Lord, would you reveal these scriptures to me? God, would you help me to understand this? Would you help me to see this from your perspective that everything changed? So I want, I want, to, I want to read for you these, these few verses I want to read to you. Verse 9. Our screen's not working today, so you're going to have to just trust me. It's in here. Number 9. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. This is Paul speaking to the church of Coloss. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then you will live, or, or sorry, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for all the things that you're doing in this church. 
But God, in this moment, I pray that you would open our ears to hear from your word. Lord, that you would speak to each of us. God, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that we are here. Thank you for this moment. And thank you that we're not alone. In your name we pray, amen. So as we unpack this verse, it starts off in verse nine. It says these words. It says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And, and I can't help but wonder, there's this piece of me, I can't help but wonder what our church would look like if we all adopted this sort of prayer life model. <laughs> I haven't stopped praying for you ever since the moment I met you. And what's fascinating is he doesn't pray that they would be blessed. Because we Christians, we love to pray that. Lord, bless them. <laughs> He doesn't pray that they would stop sinning. We don't articulate that one, but we think that one often. He doesn't pray um, that they would conform to a particular belief system or join a particular denomination or something like that. What he does instead is he never stops praying that they will know the will of God in their lives and that they would grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that is a very fascinating prayer, if you think about it. And it's a very fascinating prayer that implies a few very important truths. The first one is, is, is obvious. It speaks to this idea that it is possible for a person to actually know God. It is possible to know God. And if you've been a Christian for any deal of time, you're like, uh, duh, obviously we know that, we're here. But I can remember, I can remember lots of years in my life and I had no concept that that was actually a reality. That as a human being, as, as a created individual, I can know the creator. That as, a, as a, a, a meager, broken clay pot, I can know the potter. And that is a very fascinating truth. That applies to each and every person in this room. We can know God. And so when it comes to a, a family vibe here at the church, we, we, we believe it, we, we, we preach it, we sing about it. Everything that we do points to this. We want to be a place where people can come and know God. And if you asked me as a father, like, like what is my greatest dream or my greatest desire for my own children? My greatest desire for my own children wouldn't be that they would grow up and become pastors. I remember when Anderson, actually, forget that. I remember when an anonymous child of mine, <laughs> I remember asking him, uh, saying to him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be a p, and I heard the p. I was like, oh my goodness, he's going to say pastor. This is so sweet. He says, I want to be a Pokemon trainer. <laughs> He was a lot younger than he is now, so don't razz him too hard when you see him later. But uh, there was this piece of me, he's like, oh, Pokemon trainer, it's not even real. You must get that from your mom. And so, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. She's not in here, so we can make jokes about it right now. Right, Shade? Okay, okay. Oh, no, oh, no, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. And in Jesus' name, we're done. There we go, here we go. Or at least I'm done. I'm going to go meet my maker now. And... Uh, this is great. The first one, so, so it speaks to this idea, this prayer, you can, you can know God. But what's also interesting, the other truth that this little, little tiny sentence implies is that it's actually possible 
to influence another person's spiritual life through prayer. And that's a very powerful thought. We are about to have our 100-year anniversary here as a church. And I was loaned a very fascinating book the other day. This particular book was written in 1983. And this is our 60th anniversary book, highlighting all the different things that Glad Tidings Church had accomplished in their first 60 years of ministry. But I want to read you something fascinating from page 33, chapter 7, The Challenge of a Technological Age. (laughs) This is really special when you consider how far we've come as a society in the last 40 years. Over the course of the last 13 years, Glad Tidings has been confronted with changes and challenges which have become or which have been unbelievable to our early forefathers. The church is now part of a society which is becoming increasingly more complex in both, te- both technologically and morally. They don't even have the internet yet. They don't even know what they're talking about yet. It gets crazier than this. They're like, oh my word, there's record players. In addition to the computer age, that's a very generous statement. They have no idea yet. But listen, in addition to the computer age alienation of people, the church is being confronted with the problems such as broken families, single parenting, sexual perversion, abortion, euthanasia, infanticide, infanticide, oh my gosh, why can't I read? Infanticide, genetic manipulation, as well as the challenges of an ever-increasing old age population. It's interesting that those are all in the same category. And you look at that and what they're walking through. And as a church, they, they, they begin to pray. As a leadership team, they begin to pray. And they begin to seek the Lord, saying, God, what's next for our, for our church community? Where, where do we go from here? And at the annual business meeting of January 29th, 1974, Reverend Paul Hawks and the Deacon Board presented a long-term challenge for expansion called Reaching More in 74. So we thought we came up with tweetable statements. No, this has been around for a long time. And the plan was detailed as follows. The establishment of a daughter church in Colwood where it was in fact there, this is why they wanted to go. There was people potential. There was development business-wise and in terms of the community, a projected growth of 3,285 households, a population of 12,000 people. We've like far surpassed that now. This is indeed little evangelical witness in the area. And so, so 40 years ago, Glad Tidings Church is praying for what we now call the West Shore and saying, we need to to move over there. And they did it. They planted Colwood Pentecostal Church. They did it. And what's fascinating as I look at this and I look at our story here today, 40 years later, I came out in 83. I was born in 84. I wasn't even born yet. And what's fascinating to me is that we are the result of a 40-year-old prayer. 
40 years ago, a church seeking the Lord. And they thought the grand move of God was going to be only call a Pentecostal church. And little did they know that God had other plans to come for us to come alongside Callwood Church and now be here in the West Shore as well. And, and it just speaks to this idea that we, whether we realize it or not, us as humans, us as individuals, we're, we're often influenced by people's prayers that have gone before us. And I'm hoping that this morning this will encourage those of you who might have loved ones in your life who need a touch of God. Where, where you feel, you feel you're at your wit's end because they're making mistakes, they're doing things, they're living their life, they've made their decisions and, and, and it's their story, not your story. But what we see in scripture and what we see in our own experience is that prayer can impact the spiritual life of somebody else. So it's possible to know God, it's possible to impact people through prayer. But it's also possible for a person to know God's will for their life. And on the one hand, we're all like, oh yeah, of course. On the other hand, we're all like, God, would you please tell me your will for my life? <laughs> so many times, God, what is it that I'm supposed to do? What I've noticed in life, if I look at my own story, man, oh man, do I ever overcomplicate this sometimes. I don't know if God really cares what toothpaste I use when I'm praying for God's sovereign will. <laughs> Which, which toothpaste? Should I use charcoal toothpaste? I don't even know. Is this real? Is it witchcraft? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But when you, when you zoom out, like God has a, a will, a definable will, a definable, a, definable, a definable plan for all of us. And that is for us to know God and make him known. And from that vantage point, everything else is, is impacted. It's kind of like the, the 10,000 foot level will and purpose for each of our lives. And when Christians get that, at its fundamental core, and my fundamental core as a Christian, what is it that you want me to do, God? You want me to know you and make you known? Okay. Then from that posture, we can make other decisions. But until we realize that we are here to know God and make him known, Christianity is going to be very confusing. It's going to feel very fractured. It's going to feel very, dare I use the word, impotent. Because it can't actually do what we want it to do. It's got no power. If we're not existing to know God and make him known, what are we doing? We're just another club trying to make a difference. And the church is meant to be so much more than that. It also speaks this idea that it's possible to, for a person to have spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we get this. But we forget this when we're in times of conflict. If you need wisdom, the Bible says, ask God for wisdom. If you need clarity, we need to ask God. Like the internet is helpful they had no idea 40 years ago what they were getting themselves into. Or maybe they did. Without actually knowing what tomorrow would hold. When I look at the internet, I get so frustrated sometimes when I'm talking to people and they say, I researched this. So what do you research that? What do you mean? I read some Facebook posts <laughs> and I am now researched. I'm like, oh, great. Praise the Lord. We are all in good, good company now. 
We need to ask God for clarity, not just the internet for clarity. Now, what's cool about this idea, if, we, if our greatest desire is to, to know God and make him known, God wants to speak to you. And this is what I've noticed. I've noticed this, noticed this about humanity. Too many people give up too soon when they face complex situations. Too many people give up too soon when they face complex issues, complex doubts, complex theological struggles, complex ethical decisions. And what I've come to know about God is God actually wants to help us navigate these concerns. He wants to help us navigate these questions that we have. It's not like, oh, figure it out by on your own, you little peons. That's not what God is doing. God is, God is actively inviting us into this process of discovering who we are and how he made us. And he wants to help you figure out where to go from there. The verse continues, verse 10. It says, then you will live, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. If, if we had the screen, I would show you right now that, that there is an, a, a once-then equation that's taking place right here. Once you have God's will for your life, once you have spiritual wisdom and understanding, then you will live your life in a way that honors and pleases God and be, be fruitful. There's a, 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 a once-then equation. It's a powerful thought if you really just spend a moment and think about it. Like, how can somebody live a fruitful, God-honoring, God-pleasing life? Like, how can they do that without spiritual wisdom or without spiritual understanding or else without knowledge of God's will for your life, the, the, the knowing? In order to do Christianity, you need to know the God of Christianity. The, the, the two, they go, they go hand in hand. And the problem is we, we've inadvertently separated them. For some of us, we didn't do this intentionally. This is what we were taught. This is what, we've, this is what we learned. This is what we learned from observing. And that's a problem. The problem is we've separated them. And when we separate the, 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 the doing and the knowing, this is why your Christianity can feel so fragmented at times. If your focus is on doing Christian things rather than knowing the Christian God, your, your Christianity is going to be missing the most important and fundamental piece. The secret to Christianity um, that makes sense like the, like, like the secret to having a, a transformational kind of Christianity, the, the, the secret to have a, having a Christianity that is, that is fruitful, that is God-honoring, God-pleasing, the kind of Christianity that impacts other people, the secret is, is knowing God. Knowing God personally, knowing the person of Jesus personally. And it is entirely possible that there are people in this room at this moment where, where you don't have a relationship with Jesus, right? You, you, you didn't even know that this was a thing. You didn't even know this was an option. And, and I want to encourage you in the sense, um, don't feel awkward about that. I didn't grow up going to church, and I, I, had, I had no idea this is how Christianity worked. 
I thought it was about going and doing stuff. I thought it was about reading things, memorizing things, giving things. I thought it was about what I produce, what I do, the way I act, the way I behave, the things that I align myself to. I had this idea that that is what Christianity was. I had no idea that at its purest form, the truest essence of Christianity was for us to, to, to know who God is. Not just perform for him, but that we can actually know him. And if that's you, you're in the absolute right place this morning. Absolutely, you're in the right place. I also want to bring something else to our attention this morning. And, and while praying for this moment, I felt the Lord put on my heart that there were people here today that God wanted to address specifically. Perhaps you say that you have a relationship with Jesus. But if you're honest, in reality, what you actually have is a relationship with the routine of going to church. And there is a difference between having a relationship with Jesus and having a relationship with a routine of just going to church and going through the motions. These are two different things. And it's entirely possible that you've, you've settled on this one because this is the one that's measurable. This is the one that you see and you feel and you touch and you experience and you're part of right now. I'm going to be honest with you. As awesome as this moment is, like when, when life starts falling apart, it's not this room that's going to make a difference. It's the, it's the knowing Jesus personally that's going to make the difference. I'm all for coming to church. You should come every week, okay? <laughs> but your church attendance isn't going to give you the peace that you're longing for. Deeper than church attendance is your personal relationship with God. And I know I'm... What's the term? I'm preaching to the choir in so many ways. But even choir singers can forget why they joined the choir in the first place. And all of a sudden becomes just about singing the music and hitting the right notes. And you're focused on harmonies. And you've lost the reason that got you into that room in the first place. And what once was a gift, a wonderful opportunity, you get to be a part of the choir. Yeah! Now it's a, oh, got to go to choir this week. That wasn't even my notes. That's actually a pretty good analogy. Oh, that's pretty good. You should write that down. Second type of person. You say you have a relationship with Jesus, but in reality what you have is a relationship with Christians. And not just a relationship with Christians, but you have a relationship with Christians who have a relationship with Jesus. And this puts you in a funny spot because what's happened is you, you have a relationship with Christians and they do Christian things and you can see that they have a faith and, and when you get around them, you feel better about yourself. And that's normal and that happens. That's the value of community. But Christianity was not ever meant to be just about you feeling fueled up because you're finally accepted and part of a community. <laughs> it's bigger than a community. 
And for some of you, this, one, this really rattled the church in COVID. All of a sudden, we took away the community aspect. We couldn't gather anymore. And so many of us were like, oh, my word, how am I supposed to even be a Christian? I can't go to church. I can't be with people. Uh, how am I ever going to do this? And Jesus is like, uh, I'm still here. <laughs> like, like it, it, it's supposed to be all about me. But I don't even know who I am anymore because I can't leave my small group. I have an identity as a small group leader. And if I can't leave my small group, who am I? And Jesus is like, aren't you a Christian? And aren't I supposed to be enough? Like you, we, we've made our identity about doing these certain things. And Jesus is like, what has happened to the church? You're called Christians, not small groupians. Not like I attend church every once a weekends. I, I'm a tithian. Or I, I, I'm a volunteerian. He's starting to know either. That's just gold. I'm preaching gold right now. I'm amening myself. But Jesus is like, you are called Christians. And it's uncomfortable how easy it is for us to forget that. And all of a sudden, our Christianity becomes about either church attendance or hanging out with Christians and doing Christian things. And at its fundamental core, Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus, not a relationship with Christians. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> Third one, and we'll close with this. Some of you may say you have a relationship with Jesus. But in reality, what it is that you have is a relationship with religion. Or you have a relationship with an idea of what you thought Christianity was supposed to look like. And this has put you into some serious tension because all, you re all of a sudden you start to realize that Christianity isn't just about representing certain ideals. And Christianity is so much bigger than just church attendance, people, friendship, and community, and religious ideals. It's about having a personal relationship with God. It's about knowing God. And these distortions are so subtle because you can still call yourself a Christian and fit into all these categories. But the only person who's missing out is actually you. You're missing out on the greatest value, the greatest benefit of what it means to be a Christian, and that is, in fact, knowing Christ. Ryan, can I invite you up? Finally, this, this verse finishes the once-then equation by adding a all the while. Once you do this, then you'll do that. All the while, it says, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. The way that we know God better and better is by growing as a Christian. The truth is we hate growing. Nobody articulates it that way. We want to be grown up, but we don't like growing. Like, raise your hand if you liked puberty. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody liked puberty, but we're all thankful for puberty. Can I get, hey, amen? Right? 
Like we, we, like the, we like the final product, but we don't like the, the, the journey and the destination of getting there. Some of you are like, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven because that's the final product. That would be so great. And you're missing out on this opportunity to live out your faith in the here and the now. You know, for us to have an eternal life, it doesn't start once we're, once we're dead. To live out this eternal life means we get to live this out now as, as a new creation. We get to know God now, which is so powerful. So how do we know if we're growing? Well, like, how do we know if we're growing as a Christian? Is it because I've taken a step and become a small group? Maybe, that's, a, that's an external measurement. I've joined a small group or I've signed up for a community dinner, which is going to be great. It's a really great idea. That's Bev's idea. I'm not going to pretend it's mine. That was Bev's. That's a good idea. Maybe I feel like I'm growing as a Christian because now I'm coming regularly and, 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 and I've taken a step and I, I've been here two weeks in a row and we're, we're crushing it now, right? But deeper than all of that, deeper than all the external doing things, you know you're growing as a Christian when you start to produce fruit because your life honors and pleases God. That's when you start realizing that you're growing. So what makes us produce fruit? What makes us produce fruit and want to live a life that honors and pleases God? Well, well that's the knowing peace when we know the will of God which is to know God and to help him be known and when we pursue this idea of growing spiritually in wisdom and understanding so what is the will of God for our lives know him make him known who is the God that we make known that's Jesus and I want to end our service with a moment of just contemplative prayer. Almost completely opposite of how we do Pentecostal church sometimes. I want to invite you to close your eyes. Relax, just to ignore the person beside you. Just pretend you're here, just you and by yourself. I want to speak to your spirit for a moment. The next paragraph in the Bible here, it gets to verse 15. And it paints a very helpful, very descriptive picture of who Jesus is. And I feel like I need you to remind you. I need to remind you who he is this morning. Verse 15, it says this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. You've been wondering where he is, and he's like, I am Jesus. This is what God looks like. He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He's a creator. If he can make a solar system, I think he can make you to be the mom or dad that you're so desiring to be. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 
He existed before anything else. And he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. I'm not the head of this church. Pastor Andy's not the head of this church. It's Jesus. And we're a part of his body as the church. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on a cross. Verse 21, three of the most powerful verses or words in the whole Bible, this includes you. So Jesus, in this moment, in this moment we just ignore all the fluff and all of the, the, all of the things. And Jesus, we look to you and we ask you, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us. That you would show us what it means to be a Christian. That you would forgive us for maybe the things that we've placed in there that shouldn't be there. God, that you would heal our hearts those of us who, who, who we've been hurt by the church or hurt by Christianity or hurt by, by, by religion. God, would you heal hearts today? And Jesus, would you help us to see ourselves the way you see us? Because Jesus, you're the one that made us in the first place. So show us what that looks like. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing together.